morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. All right. All right. Everybody get yourselves comfortable. Come on. Press in. Anybody ready to go 12 rounds? You guys, come on. That was like you ain't ready to go 12 minutes. I'm rolling up my sleeves. We're going to go a couple rounds. Amen? All right. Before we get into the work, can we just stand up and hug on somebody's neck for a minute? Pretend you're, you're <laughs> pretend you're Mayweather, kind of hug on somebody for a minute. Give somebody a prayer, tell them God bless you, God touch you, God heal you. Tell somebody, be encouraged today. All right. And as we make our way back, tell them now, callate. It's time for the word. Amen. It's, it's, good, it's good to be in the house with God's people this morning. Father, we thank you, God, for your word. We thank you, God. Thank you for your spirit, Lord, Father God. I just ask you to release your anointing on the speaker, on the listener, Lord God, that we would be changed by your word, that it would teach us, teach us, and bleach us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Church, we've been, we've been hearing this week, all the joking aside, we've been hearing this week about a lot of tragedies, right? A lot of injustices have been taking place everywhere. And this week, the focus was Maryland, right? Now, listen, I'm not going to give you my opinions on top of the other hundred opinions that you've heard this week from all sides. What I will say this. Now, more than ever, society does not need a bunch of preachers talking politics or a bunch of Christians giving their opinions on social justice, what the world needs is to see followers of Christ walking out their faith and standing with each other and being who we're called to be. Can somebody say amen? amen. See, it's past the time for talking, right? It's not even time to tell anybody about a seven-foot love anymore. It's time to manifest that love in action. I wish you were as excited as you were last night. I don't know. It's time, you know, if the world's going to know that there's a seven-foot love, a love that's bigger than us, then it's time for us to demonstrate and show the world a love that's bigger than they are. Can somebody say amen? amen. The world needs to see a God that's bigger than racism, bigger than injustice, a God that's bigger than the wrongs done to us, Oh, you're going to start quiet? All right. They need to, to, to see a God that's bigger than the wrongs done by us. Family, it's not time to pick a side. It's time to stand in the gap between both sides. I mean, can we get this? Come on. It's time to, to stand in the gap between both sides. There's wrong on both sides. There's injustice on both sides. It's not time for us to pick a side. It's time for us to stand. Amen? 
thank you, join me this Wednesday for prayer as we intercede and pray for that and pray for our nation and pray for our, 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 our law enforcement officers and pray for our young people. I had a confirmation this past week. I love, I love when God kind of just gives you a confirmation and lets you know that you know, you're, you're, you're kind of in the right track and he gives you a story or something that, that shows you. This thing keeps falling on me today. That shows you something. I was reading an article about Malcolm Gladwell. He's a writer for the New York Times and, and an author, and he was talking about how he rediscovered his faith. And you know what? It didn't happen in church. It didn't happen through a fancy sermon. It didn't happen through, through a, a lot of lights and a worship concert. Malcolm grew up with Christian parents and, you know, grew up in a Christian home. All his, his family stayed and, they, um, and, and, and followed the faith, but he moved to New York and kind of strayed away from his faith, strayed away from God. And he tells the story of how he was writing a book, and so he went to see this woman named Wilma Dirksen. Now, some years before, Wilma's daughter went missing on the way home. And she was a young girl, and she was missing. She never showed up at home, and so the entire city performed this, this, this the largest manhunt looking for this, this, this girl. And after about a week, they found the body of her daughter in a hut about a quarter mile from the house. Her hands and feet had been bound. And she was obviously the victim of a sexual predator. They told her and her husband, and so they had a funeral the next day, and because it had gotten such media attention, they had to do a press conference to make the announcement. And so in the press conference, they're asking the parents, is there anything you want to say? How do you feel about whoever did this to your Candace, her daughter? And the father said, we would like to know who the person or persons are so that we can share, hopefully, a love that seems to be missing in these people's lives. And then they, they turned to the mom, hoping to get something, you know, more, more angry and, and full of rage. And, and the mom said, listen, our main concern was to find Candace. And we found her. She went on to say, I can't say at this point I forgive the person completely, but we've all done something dreadful in our lives or have at least felt the urge to do so. And so she talked about journeying toward forgiveness. And so Malcolm wrote in his book, it is, it's one thing to read in a history book about people empowered by their faith, but it's quite another to meet this otherwise ordinary person in the backyard of an ordinary house who has managed to do something utterly extraordinary. It was this ordinary couple who knew a love that was bigger than what was done to them that brought this man back to his faith. And he writes, I'll never be the same. Family, I posted a, a, a Facebook quote this week from that and just because God was doing these things and the quote was may our love inspire others to seek the source 
Jesus said, they'll know us by our love. Is this series getting to you yet? I want people to question the source of the love that's in this house. Amen? That's success. Success isn't isn't 10,000 people gathered in a stadium and calling that church. Success is when the world starts to question the source of the love of a group of people, whoever they are. There's some of you right now here that I know your stories. Some of you have every reason to be guarded, every reason to keep people at a distance. You have every reason to never trust again. Anybody say amen. That was strong. Go with me right now. But I, I know some of your stories, and what amazes me is you still love. You still trust people. You still risk. You still put it out there. And I just wanted to let some of you know. I don't want to embarrass you by calling your names, but I want to let some of you know that you encourage, my, you encourage me. And you encourage the leadership. And you encourage the people that sit around you. You encourage us by your love. Amen. Gladwell writes, Our confused society badly needs a community of contrast. Listen. A counterculture of ordinary pilgrims who insist on living a different way. We can make the world stop and think before pulling a trigger or exacting revenge or neglecting the vulnerable. Unlike popular culture, we will lavish attention on the least of these. Last week we read, Jesus said, that which you have done unto the least of my brethren, you've done unto me. Amen? Matthew 25. And, and what you haven't done unto them, you haven't done unto me, God says. Now, I don't know about you, but that's so wildly radical. That's, this, to me, is probably the most radical series I've ever preached. And this is sermon number 325 at the sanctuary alone. That's just here. And this, to me, is the most radical series I've ever preached. Uh, a series, who would have thought, on love. He says, that which you've done unto the least of these, you've done to me. And that which you haven't done unto the least of these, my brothers and sisters, my brethren, the church, you haven't done for me. And, and we can shout at God and we can say, I go to church for you. I pay tithes for you. I give offerings for you. I worship for you. I pray to show you that I love you. And Jesus still says, listen, that which you haven't done unto the least of these, my brethren, you haven't done for me. I don't know how you guys feel about this, but this has been messing me up. I'm going to show you some more today so, so that you can have a clear understanding of what God is saying and asking us. I, I started the series, the, uh, a little series within the love series last week called The One Another's. Talking about all the one another's found in scripture. Because if God's going to tell us that we need to one another one another, then we, I, I want you to know what the word says. Amen? And again, this isn't stuff I made up. 
This is not my clever teaching. This is scripture. So you have an issue with it? What did I say last week? Take the drama to your mama. Amen. There's so many one another's. Greet one another. Care for one another. Love one another. Why? Why is that all in there? Because obviously it matters to God. So I want to uncover a few more one another's in this seven-foot series. We'll title today, very cleverly, The One Another's Part Two. I know, I'm creative. <laughs> I'm pretty amazing, I know. Listen, if people are going to read us before they read the Word, right? If people are going to read us before they read the Word, then let them read something different in us. Right? I, I want to be that book that will change somebody's life. I want to be a page, and I, I hope that's your desire. I want you, I want us to be a page in somebody's book that'll make them say, I'll never be the same again. I'll never be, after I met the love in that man, the love in that couple, the love in, in that little group of people in the Bronx, after, I, after being with that love, I'll never be the same. Because of that love, I'll never be the same. Why is our greatest mission to love one another? Because that's what the scriptures, they're clear on this. Can we, can we get to some scriptures? You ready? By the way, this is a long list of scriptures that I've used in the last two weeks. I know I don't normally go, you know, into that much, that many verses. And so I don't expect you to try to find it. Even though some of you are just on Instagram and, you know, whatever. But I'm going to put them up there so those of you that want to follow, you can follow. And if you want this list, I'll send it to you when we're done with the series. Amen? Just send me an email. Mark at Sanctuary Fellowship. No, no, pastor at Sanctuary Fellowship, that's my email. You can send me emails, I'll send you the list. So let's get to some. We'll start with the last two that we started with, John 13, 34. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples. There's one scripture, three love one another. Let's move on, John 15, 12. My command is this, love one another as I have loved you. Now listen, for, for so long, and I, I got into a little bit at the end of this last, last week, but for so long, I think the church has been caught up on managing sin, right? The church is seen as the sin police, right? How many of you, when you tell people at, at, at your jobs that you're a Christian, all of a sudden you get a badge and you're like the sin police? Does anybody make fun of you at work? Well, you know, they have to know you're a Christian first. Hello. Step one, step one, shine your light. Step two, they will make fun of you. Step three, still shine. Amen? Amen? Come on. But we've been, we, we, we're seen as this Christian, you know, the, the sin police. We've got to make sure we don't curse, we don't get drunk, we don't smoke, we don't hang out with people who curse, get drunk, and smoke. And, and depending on how old school you get, we've got to make sure that the women don't wear makeup, that they don't wear earrings. How many of you go, go that far back? No, we don't got no Pentecostal roots up in here, anybody? Yeah, some of you. Where well, the women can't wear makeup, they can't wear earrings, they can't wear pants. We, we, we can't get tattoos because there's that one scripture in Leviticus that talks badly about it. Taken totally out of context. And so we've been so much about what we don't do that we never focus on what we do. You, you understand what I'm saying? We focus on so much of this don't, 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 can't, can't, thou shalt not, not. 
that, that we don't focus on, man, what are we called to do? Are we called to just not do anything? What a fun place to be. No wonder you people don't want to come to church. I never forget, listen, I never forget the many times I walked into churches and I was told, hermanito, if you would cut your hair, you know how the Lord could use you? <laughs> My hand to God, that's serious. That's serious. I was told, pa, pa, hermano, hermano, you know if you took out that earring, do you know, I used to have an earring, you know if you took out that earring, you know the way God could use you so mightily? And and I was, I was, you know, my, my mom is here, and I was, you know, I was brought up respectful to be respectful to people, so I didn't, you know, turn around and say, you know, that God sees the inside of your filthiness. You know, so I never, I never, I just go, mm, okay, amen. Amen. But I remember, listen, I remember as a youth pastor, Mark, Mark and Melissa, they could, they could talk to you about this. I remember as a youth pastor how many times we'd bring our youth to other churches to when they had youth services, right? My youth pastors and them, you could... And we, we would bring this, and you know, we're from the Bronx, and we had a lot of, you know, wannabe hood rats. And so, but we loved these kids, man, and we wanted something good, and so we wanted to bring them to these services, because they would announce it as a youth service. And so we'd bring our kids to this youth service, because just hoping that God would touch them, hoping that, that God would get a hold of them, you know? And so we'd, we'd get in cars or whatever, and we'd get to this, and, and as soon as we walked through the doors, the ushers would attack my youth. Take the hat off. Put, they put tissue in front of their face. Spit out that gum. You can't have gum in this church. You can't bring that in this church. You can't come in here with that. You can't walk that. Take the hat off, Bobby. Walk right. Take your headphones off. Come on. But, and they'd be attacked at the door. And I, and I would see the, the pain in my, my young people and the anger start to rise in them. And, and, and they're just saying, come on, man. I just walked in. Can I get some love first before you tell me everything I'm wrong? I already know how wrong I am. I know how bad I am. Can I just get some love? Amen? See, they wanted to make sure they looked the part, but nobody was worried about their brokenness or their pain. And the funny thing is the name of the church would be like Agape Love Fellowship, you know? Be like, no greater love assembly. Come on, man. But the truth is, I think we've, you know, we've all kind of, we've, we've, we all carry some of that mentality with us, amen? We, we get caught up in, in our managing our sin, and we're worried about, you know, what we've done that will keep us out of heaven, or, or you know, what, what the things that we do that will keep us out of relationship with God. Look, this is an old-time Christian thing. How many of you, how many of you had this discussion? If I tell a lie while I'm on the phone and I get hit in the car by a car at that moment, my old-school Christians, come on, you think like this. What happens if I told a lie and I get hit by a bus? I go to hell, right? <laughs> like God's going to send me right to hell because the last thing I did was lie. Right? And so we have this, this thing about managing our sin, right? And so, and, and, and we're worried about what's going to keep us out of heaven, what's going to, but we're not worried about doing, being who God called us to be. And we, we read last week in Matthew 25, and Jesus gives us this picture of the final judgment. And, and, and he shows us what disqualifies us. It's not what we've done, but what we haven't done. Come on, still, don't get lost. Stay with me. And he, he wasn't looking at our mistakes. He wasn't looking at our failures. He was looking for the times that we showed love or the times that we had the opportunity to show love and didn't. 
See, I, I think the enemy uses sin as a distraction in more ways than one. Let, hear me out for a minute before you write me off. Sin will detour you and destroy you, no doubt. That's no doubt. But the consciousness of our sin sometimes will do even worse. Let me explain that for a minute. Understand something before I move on. I'm not suggesting that we take sin lightly. So cut that out right now. No way. Don't, I'm not saying, oh, don't worry about the way you live. Don't worry about what you do. Don't worry. As long as you love people, you're good. No, that's not what I'm saying. The scripture says clearly God is holy. And we were born sinful because of fallen Adam. Amen? We were born sinful. Do you, do you, do you ever understood that? We're born sinful. You want proof? Have children. Never teach them how to lie, cheat, and steal. And watch how they, it just comes natural. You ever seen a two-year-old? Ain't nobody teach a one-year-old or a two-year-old how to sin. But catch him and ask him, who wrote on the wall with the crayon? <laughs> he could have six crayons in each hand. He could have a crayon in his mouth. And he'll tell you, I don't know. He'll lie right through his not teeth, no teeth. Right? But we're born sinful. That's in us. That comes natural. Sin separates us from God. So, so sin is not to be taken lightly. Understand, if our sin wasn't serious, we wouldn't need a Savior. Amen? So that's not what I'm going through. The awesome thing is, though, God paid the price for our redemption. Oh, come on. Can we get excited about the gospel for a minute? He forgave us our sin through the perfect lamb. We needed a sacrifice to cover our sin. Jesus became the perfect sacrifice. The lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Amen? So the point isn't that sin disqualifies us. The point is when we come to Jesus, our sin has already been paid for. And when we accept God's forgiveness, we've been qualified. See, I was born sinful, but in Christ I've been made holy. Come on, I was born fallen, but he lifted me up. I wish I had an organ. I was broken, but he made me whole. Da -da. I was blind, but now I see. Amen? I was lost, but now I'm found. In Christ, I'm a new creation. Amen? And, but, but, but listen, some people teach that Christ died for my sins, past, present, and future. Watch this. So while, while I was still sinful, he died. So when we come to Jesus for forgiveness, it's done, and we don't ever have to ask for forgiveness again. They say it doesn't matter how we live because we're, forgot, we're, we're, we're forgiven. I can do anything I want. I can live any way. God don't care about that. And that's a real popular theology right now. Can I warn you? I'd be a little careful with that theology. Me personally, I come to the Lord daily for forgiveness. Hourly sometimes. How many of you know those kind of days? It all depends who's around you, right? It all depends who you're with. It all depends where you are. Sometimes hourly, Jesus. Give me for that thought back in my truck over this person. So, so depending, you know, I, I come to the Lord daily for forgiveness, but I don't beat myself up or disqualify myself because of my mistakes. Somebody here needs to hear that. Listen, you are not your mistakes. Come on, can somebody rejoice right now? You are not your mistakes. Your, your failures are not final. 
Your sin is not your identity. Somebody needs to get that. Proverbs 24 says, if the righteous fall seven times, he gets back up. He rises. So don't let the, the enemy, the accuser, get in your head and tell you how bad you are. Because the word says, 1 John 1, 9, if I confess my sins, that's an active confession, by the way. If I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive me. Somebody say amen. amen. So I personally still come to the cross. But I do think we can get so distracted by managing our sin that we miss the purpose of why we were forgiven in the first place. Can I, can I drop something on you? Jesus says, I came that you might have life and have it to the fullest. Have it abundantly. I, I think that abundant life is missing in the, in the church sometimes. And it's because of us. We don't walk in that abundant life. We don't, we don't walk with, I love the scripture that says, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. <laughs> Where is that, man? I want to be around people like that. Living water. That means we're walking around, we're dropping prophetic words on each other. We're giving words of life to each other. We're encouraging one another. We're getting checks we didn't know were coming. We're cashing them and sharing them with somebody. Amen? That's, that's abundant living, man. That's how we're called to live, right? But, but, but I think, you know, we, we, we don't see that. And the world sees the church as a place of thou shalt nots. And the world sees the, the, us as the church of no. But the Christian's life is yes and amen. I'd be a little more excited if I heard that. The Christian's life is yes and Amen. See, it, it, it's, it's a lot how people look at marriage sometimes. Oh, marriage, that's the old ball and chain. Once I get married, pff, that's it, it's over. I can't come and go as I please. I can't sleep around anymore. I'm tied down. Life is over. No fun. Boy, you're going to be a great husband. And a great wife. If you're looking at marriage that way, you're not going to make it and you don't deserve that privilege. Right? When you marry right, you're not tied down. You're free with a partner. When you marry right, you're free. You got friend with a benefit. Come on. <laughs> if we... <laughs> They like that, right? You marry, you got friends with benefits. Come on. If we look at the church this way, we'll be so bored and so preoccupied that we'll forget what we're called to do. Amen? And what are we called to do? We're called to proclaim the good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, to, to, to give recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to love one another as Christ loved us. All right, let's do some more one another's because this kind of church life is exciting for me. Come on, give me Romans 15. Nat. Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you. Church, family, we're so hard on each other sometimes. We expect more from people than we're willing to give ourselves. Can I tell you? Real church is messy. The world is cold. People are broken. Accept one another. Our kids aren't the only ones dealing with bullies. We have to deal with it at work. We have to deal with it outside. 
We need a place where we can be accepted, amen? And accepted and loved on. Do you know that God knows you and loves you? Even the real you, not the fake you that comes to church. That's amazing, man. Some of you think you got us fooled, and you might. But you ain't got God fooled, and he still loves you. Oh, that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful, man. Come on. So accept one another as Christ accepted you. Let's, another one. Give me the next one. Romans 16, 16. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I know this is a little creepy. And, and singles? <laughs> if a guy comes to you with one of these, sister, I'm just trying to be scriptural. Tell him, tell him learn another scripture. Amen? Tell him learn two more, then maybe we can talk. Give me the next one. 1 Corinthians 1.10. I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another. Uh-oh. People shaking their heads already. Uh-uh. So that there may be no divisions among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. Now listen, we can hear that and say, forget that one. There's no, at first I ain't greeting nobody with a kiss. And second, there's nobody, there's some people in here I'm not going to agree with, period. Let me help you understand the language of that scripture for a moment. The language is more, do not be torn apart, but be joined. That's what it means by being agreed together. The original Greek word for, for divisions there, it meant a tear. So Paul's words here, his plea is that you would stop ripping. He's talking to the church. He was saying, stop ripping each other apart and tearing up the body of Christ. Oh, wow. That's all the willy. That's important, church. If we, if we get serious about one anothering one another, we have to make sure we're not tearing each other down. Not here, not home, not behind our backs, not with certain friends, not where we're, when we're with certain groups. We got to make sure everywhere we are, we're not tearing each other up. That's what it means to agree with one another so that there would be no divisions. Amen. God called us to be reconciled to himself and he made us ministers of reconciliation. You know, that's the only place the word says that you're a minister of reconciliation. That every lay person is a minister of reconciliation. Amen. Ephesians 4.32. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other. I love the simplicity there. Be kind to one another. Forgive each other. There's no perfect people here. Can I tell you something too? That doesn't make us hypocrites or wannabes. We're all trying. How many of you, when you mess up, somebody says, see, you're a hypocrite. You go to church and you're... That's not a hypocrite. I'm not a perfect person. If you told them you were perfect in the first place, then you set yourself up to fail. But if you let them know, listen, I'm not a perfect person. I'm trying to follow God. I'm trying to get close to God. I'm, recon be, I'm trying to have my life reconciled with God. That means I want to be in peace with God. And that means sometimes I'm going to, you're going to, you know, whatever. I'm going to put a staple through my finger and I might let something out that I shouldn't let out. I'm going to ask for forgiveness and I'm going to move on. That doesn't make me a hypocrite. That just makes me somebody after God's heart. Amen? Colossians 3.13 Bear with one another 
and forgive whatever grievances you have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. These are hard scriptures, amen? Bear with each other and forgive each other. If you have a grievance with somebody, let it go. Don't look around at anybody right now because it's awkward, I know. Stay, stay totally focused this way. This is a bad moment. If you look at somebody right now, it's like you're saying, I told you, let it go. Forgive. Uh, the word you heard, you heard, Pastor? You heard, you heard him? That's the only time you want to be agree with me. You heard, Pastor? So those last two are saying, forgive one another. Look at the next four. Encourage one another. Look how big this is. 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Therefore, encourage one another. Build each other up, as in fact some of you are doing. Hebrews 3.13. Encourage one another daily. How often? As long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Hebrews 10.12. And let us consider how we may... We may Spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Hebrews 10.25. You keep it up with me, man. You're the man. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Amen? Let's not give up meeting. Don't listen. When people say, I don't have to go to church. Yes, you do. You are part of the church. You should be in a church. I'm not saying you have to be this one. I'm not saying this is the only perfect church in the Bronx. I'm saying find the church and be a part of it and be committed to it and be faithful to it because we're a member of each other. Amen? I'm not angry. <laughs> I know these two weeks have been hard. I'm sorry, but I'm not angry. <laughs> God's letting us know that forgive. I can't be talking about love, forgiveness, and encouragement and be angry. I'm not angry. But God's letting us know that forgiveness and encouragement, they're going to be the hardest things that we have to do. But you can't love somebody unless you walk in those. Amen? Are you with me still? I love you. 1 John 1, 7. Look at this. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. Watch. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from sin. Whoa, whoa, hold up. There's a connection between us walking in the light, having fellowship with one another, and being washed from our sin. Did you see that? There's a connection when we walk in the light, have fellowship with one another, and our sin is forgiven, like automatic. What is that? So what does that mean? If you take out one of those Jenga pieces, the whole thing might fall down. Right? God, there's a connection there. Listen, for, for, for too long, uh, Christians have been taught that it's about if you say the sinner's prayer at the end of a service, then you're good. You get your hell, get out of hell card and you put it in your wallet. And the only time, it's just like the cop card. You know, if you know a cop and he gives you one of those cards, the only time you pull that out is when you're in trouble. But the word is saying, listen, we're going to be about this life. If you want to, we got to be about it, right? E? Come on, bring the worship team up here. People, I'm losing them. I want, I want them to have hope. We got to be about this life. It, it's not about coming and saying a little sinner's prayer. That's why I don't even do that that often. 
Because, I'm, I mean, the, 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 there's, there's, there's validity to it. We need to, at one point in our lives, say, God... I accept you. God, I, I accept your forgiveness. I believe that you died, that you sent your son so that we can be forgiven. That's vital and we need that. But that little magic prayer at the altar, that, that's not it. It's about, we got to be about this life. We got to walk in this love. Otherwise, people will come and say, you know what, I'll just come toward the end. I go off for that little thing. I repeat those words and I never come back. And I get to get out of hell card free. That's not church. That's not, that's not being who we're called to be. Amen? Look at this. Look at this. Galatians 5.13. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is fulfilled in keeping one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Did you hear that? The entire law is fulfilled in one command. Why am I preaching two weeks and a whole series on love? Because look what God is saying. The entire law is fulfilled in keeping one command. You want a, a wonderful test of your spiritual state is how you treat other people. You want to know if you're, am I a good Christian? Am I, am I real? How do you treat other people? Are there people that you've written off and you say, I'll never forgive them. That's it. They're done. They're dead in my life. How many of you said that? I know I've been there. I've been there. I, I said, you know what? This dude is dead. No, he's not dead. Yo, he, my life, he's dead. That couple, they dead. All right? I don't care. It could be right in front of me. They die. I see right through. I don't, I don't even know who they are. I don't even see nobody. <laughs> Anybody ever been that cold, that hard? Right? You're dead. I don't, you're not, you talk, I don't know who you're talking to. I'm not even talking to you because you're dead. <laughs> you're dead to me. Dead to me. That's, that's not about this life, man. Oh, that's a wonderful test of your spiritual state, how you treat other people. <clears throat> no matter what spiritual image or status we may have, God cares about how we treat each other. We want to make, make the measure of God about how, how much we pray, how much of the Bible we know. If we fast at the beginning of the year or some silly things like that. We say, God, I gave up smoking for you. God said, good. I don't have to, you don't have to come to me later for lung cancer prayers, you know. <laughs> the measure of our walk isn't our ability to control sinful habits. The measure of our walk is how we treat our brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm never going to get tired of saying this, so. We see throughout the scriptures, the, the religious people will always be the one that get it wrong. The religious people were so obsessed with keeping the law and the commandments that, that they didn't know how to treat anybody. And the, the, the Jewish people in that time, they were so obsessed with keeping the laws that God gave them that they created hundreds of other laws to keep them from keeping them from keeping them from breaking the laws that the laws that God they, they created all these barriers all these laws extra laws just to not break God's law and and that's awesome and that's an awesome heart but it's wrong because even though they couldn't keep the laws themselves they judged everybody else from keeping those laws and and let me give you this last one and I'll do a mic drop and, I, and I'll walk off watch <laughs> Romans 13 7 
Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. He who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the whole law. The word says. I love how Paul puts this in, in verse 9. He says, the, the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and whatever other commandments they may be, he, he writes it that way, are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Come on, man. Hallelujah. Come on. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know, I wanted, I was trying to think of a song that, that sings about <laughs> us loving one another, but we don't have any of that in our repertoire, but we have a song that speaks about God's love for us. And isn't that the prime example? Isn't that the example that we want to be able to achieve that kind of love? That agape love. So we'll sing about God's love this morning. Amen. Can we just stand Amen. to our feet? Amen. Amen. He's jealous. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Love's like a hurricane. I am a tree. The weight of his wind and mercy When all love is silent I am unaware of these afflictions Eclipsed by glory And I realize just how beautiful you are And how great your affections are for Side of my chest, I don't have time to 
message today reminded me of a story in Ezekiel 37 where God took Ezekiel to a valley filled with dead, dry bones and he asked Ezekiel, what do you see? And he said, I, I see a valley of dry bones. See, he looked with his natural eyes. And then God said, what do you see now? Now look through the eyes of my love. And Ezekiel said, I see a mighty army. And the bones came up. They came to life. And see, that's what the love of God is. Love is not just a feeling. In the world, that's what it is. You can say, I love you, and then trash the person as long as, as, long as I have that good feeling about them. But in the Bible, love has nothing to do with emotion. Love is a commitment. And you know what that commitment says? I will not harm you with the words of my mouth. I'll be there when you need me. There's nothing you can do to make me stop loving you. That's the love of God flowing through a person. I, I go in the projects, I see drug dealers, and even they love their friends. When their friends come up, they hug each other. Even in the prisons. But the love of God means I'm committed. I'm committed to love those who can't love me back. I, I'm willing to love you, whatever it is. I'm willing to stand with you whatever you're going through. And the commitment says, I'm not going to look at your life and just tell you I see a, a bunch of death, dry bones. The true love of God means I look into a broken, hurting person and I speak life. See, that's love. And that's the commitment we need to make today. Not just we're going to receive grace. and There's all the grace you want. Just take it right now, the grace and love of God. But the good news, the gospel, is that God is raising up a bunch of people, not only who receive love, but allow that love to throw, flow through them. So I want to ask you today, because you need each other to survive. You're not going to make it in these last days alone. It takes a body of people knitted together, standing together, loving and encouraging each other. How many of you are saying right now, that's me. I'm willing to let God flow through me. I'm going to love the unlovable. I'm going to show good to my enemy, to those who hate me. I'm going to go back to that person that I wrote off. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, God, I love you with the love of God. How many of you are willing to display that kind of love? I don't know of anything else in the Bible. 
If you want an easy love, it ain't there. I want to pray for those, though, today. I want to pray for the Ezekiels who are saying, I'm willing to love others so much that I could see death in them. And I'm going to speak life. I'm committed to raise them up. How, how many here today? Just lift your hand to God. I, I want to pray for you right now. Father, I thank you, Lord God. I thank you for an army of lovers, Lord God. And I ask, Lord God, that you would give them opportunities, O oh God, to display your love, O oh God. That you would put people in their path, Lord God, who need a word, who need a touch, who need compassion, Lord God. Father, use us. If you're saying, God, use me, here I am, just raise your hand, just wave it before God. Here I am, Lord. 